Welcome to Hashtag No Limits. I am your host, Shelly Kino. Hashtag No Limits is about people that society puts limits on, but who have busted through those limits. During my teaching career, and now as, as a master IEP coach, I've had the privilege of watching students push past those limits that have been placed upon them. Ophelia says in Hamlet, we know what we are, but not what we may be. I believe this to be true and that there's no better example than the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. The caterpillar literally dissolves and its cells reform into a butterfly. As the butterfly emerges from the cocoon, it has to struggle in order to be able to be strong enough to fly. Obviously, it's not an easy process, but neither is breaking through limits that society has set upon a person. But just like the caterpillar, when we believe in ourselves, we can accomplish more than others might think. And if we have a support system, think about the cocoon of the support system around us to encourage and facilitate our growth even better. I love being a support to the families and their children and now helping them push through those limits. Today, my guest has been the caterpillar, the cocoon, and the butterfly. She is a fellow master IEP coach, and I can't wait for you to meet her. Welcome, Shree, and thank you for joining me on Hashtag No Limits. Tell us more about yourself and your family. Hi, so my name is Sri, and I'm a mom of three kids who are doing virtual learning right now, so it's fun at our house. My husband's <laughs> yeah. also working at home, so we're all home. <laughs> it's crazy um, time at your house. <laughs> It is. So I have a little bit of quarantine brain because I don't get to go out. <laughs> so um, we've been doing a lot of virtual things at home. Yeah, I bet. So what grades are your kids in? So I have a second grader and I have a fourth grader and I have, she would have been in preschool, but she's two. So oh. we have finding activities to keep the little one busy while the other ones are in Zoom is becoming strengthful. It's everything is closing again here. So uh, we're just using what we have. Yeah, I my daughter is 21 and in college. So I'm so thankful that I do not have to figure out all of this stuff that those of you in the parenting during remote learning are having to go through. Um, and then to have multiples, uh, I was only blessed with the one. Um, and so it would have, I think, been challenging with one, but I, I feel like it would almost be impossible with multiples. It's good and bad. So the socialization, because that's my biggest thing is I want our kids to be socialized. So <laughs> having three is great for socialization, keeping them all busy and separate and finishing their work has been amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. I bet. So, um, so I started off saying that you were, you've been all three, you've been the caterpillar, you've been the cocoon, and you currently are the cocoon because you are supporting um, as a fellow master IEP coach, a lot of other families. Um, and you, you are and have been the butterfly. So when I talk about you being the caterpillar, um, tell me and the audience what I meant by that. So my schooling was difficult. So my parents didn't speak English. They've been in the country for quite some time, but they always spoke Sinhalese to us. And that's what I learned as my first language. So when I went into school, I was placed in an IEP without a technical diagnosis, hmm. um, but I was put in a self-contained class at the age of six. Wow. 
And so without a diagnosis, so you had your eligibility then like under other health impaired? Yes. Is that, okay. I didn't know if you would remember that that many years ago. I didn't remember. I've gone past and I've looked at all my paperwork. Ah, okay. And so basically, um, if I'm understanding you correctly, you came to school and you were speaking another language than English. And I spoke English, but it, I was a little bit slower at it. Okay. And so because of that, they had to have done some sort of assessments, but I am presuming that all the assessments were in English. Yes. And therefore, that is why you didn't do well on them, whether you're whether you had a learning disability or any kind of way of learning differently, just that immediate barrier yes. was difficult. It was. And I actually remember looking past it now. I remember sitting with a psychologist and her asking me questions and me looking at her like, I don't really understand what you're trying to say to me. I don't know how to answer you. Right. And this was in, I think you told me California where you grew it up? It was in California and it was in the 90s. Okay. Well, so, 89, 80, something like that. Okay. I just myself a lot. <laughs> well, I was trying not to make you say it's your age. Okay. <laughs> um, so that, at that point, I mean, the law had been in place a long time. And in California, um, I mean, I've not lived in California, but my understanding, and I don't know, maybe this is incorrect, is that there are a lot of people who aren't necessarily native English speakers. Yes. Um, and part of being eligible for an IEP, one of the um, uh, criteria that is used to determine if it is truly a learning difference is whether or not your family and you have a native language of English. So the fact that they seemed to not have cared about that or not have been able to, to do anything about that um, bothers me first and foremost. So, um, okay, so you were, you went into school and you went into a self-contained class. I did. So I was placed in general ed. So kindergarten, it was fine. And first grade is where I started having the problems. And I want to say it was like probably second quarter, they pulled me out and they put me in a self-contained class and nobody told me anything. And they just said, this is where you're going to be from now on. And your parents not speaking English. And well, trust they spoke English. Or, okay. They, they didn't know. They just right. assumed that it was right. the right thing. Because you have this institution known as the school system and So are you their only or are you their oldest? I'm their youngest. So I have a brother. Um, My brother did fine in school. Okay. So when it came to me, I think they just assumed that the school knew best. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think they, the school district had approached it as, look, she's having trouble. This is what's going to help her. This is what she needs to be in. So without kind of questioning it, my parents just went along with it because the school district to them was trying to help me. Right, right. Because they, I mean, yeah, um, if you don't know, you don't know. And um, and that happens a lot, you know, not just for families who speak other languages, but it also happens to families who 
their child is struggling and they think, or their child has behavioral issues, which we're going to get into that because you are an ABA therapist. Um, So, okay. So, so your, your family is trusting that that things are the way they're supposed to be. Um, We're, we're first, second grade now. When did you start to think this, this isn't right for me? So I started realizing that I shouldn't be in that class probably third, fourth grade, but I didn't really understand the difference until I hit fifth grade. So that was when my former classmates from kindergarten, we had a very small school. Um, so my former kindergarten friends, we were all graduating and I was told that we could, I couldn't go to the graduation because I wasn't part of that class. Oh, so that made me feel horrible. I'm like, what is, I go to the same school. I'm it was very difficult for me to comprehend at that age, like what is happening. Right. And I was put in a class with the kids with high behaviors and the kids that really needed a one-on-one. And I didn't feel like that was a proper placement for me. Right. So around fifth grade, um, you started to self-advocate. Yes. I started asking why. Right. Well, and that, yeah, I mean, to me, that's advocating because if you're not just taking the status quo, then you're standing up and saying something, I need to do something, this isn't right. So what kind of answers were you getting when you were asking why? So at that age, they wouldn't tell me. So, and I wasn't, so I asked my parents and they couldn't really, they couldn't really understand why. So my parents hired a private tutor for me. Um, They, they said, this is what, the school wants, this is in your best interest. And I, and I kept on saying why. So I started pushing back, but in my culture, that's very disrespectful. So it became a situation where I was being a disrespectful child instead of just go with the flow kind of person. (laughs) I'm sitting there in my head, but I don't understand. Just someone tell me why I'm here. Right. Right. Yeah. You just, you just wanted to know what why and no one was willing and so therefore you go through all of elementary school yes receiving special education services and did you think that those services were helping you even though you didn't necessarily know why you needed them no um and looking back on it i think they actually hurt me more than they did anything because it was not a fair placement it was not an appropriate placement and it didn't fit the idea law anyways. So it's it was a really big mess. It certainly sounds like it. Um, and so, okay, you get out of grade school and then you get into high school. What happened middle in high school? school? Oh, middle school. I'm sorry, what happened in middle school? So I had a middle school teacher that told me that I couldn't go to college and that <laughs> my job or what, like I was on the non-degree path. Um, because back then that's what where you were placed. And so we were working on job skills. So they wanted me to go out and wipe tables and things like that. And like, I really feel like I meant for more. And this was at sixth grade. And right. And to make that determination, and I know that there are districts out there that, and by the way, hi, Fran, we had a, a guest say hello. <laughs> um, I know that there are districts out there that in in younger grades than even fifth or sixth grade have already determined by some metric right. 
that a child is is on the non-diploma track. Yes. And that blows me away because, I mean, obviously the name of the show is Hashtag No Limits. And I cannot fathom that looking at a five-year-old or a six-year-old or even a 10-year-old that you can say they're not going to be able to get a high school diploma and be equivalent in their understanding to be able to get that high school diploma. That That's just mind-boggling to me. I 100% agree. And that goes with the broken system because what I realized looking past was I was not put into the proper classes in the beginning to even qualify for my diploma. So I had to get extra help because I was not put in the right path. I was put in the no lim- like the limited path where I was clearly not a child that needed to go there. It's one of the things that I fight for for my clients and just anybody in general. Right. And I think a lot of times that that is what drives some of our passion for the different areas that we have yes, um, because of our own experiences. So, okay. So you get out of middle school, hopefully after this horrible teacher says, Oh, you'll never go to college. Yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. I, I will and tell it didn't you even happen to me. So, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what happened when I saw that teacher at the park, when I was with my kids, I'll uh-huh. let you know. Um, it was not a pretty conversation, um, but it needed to be had. You know, and I'm really proud of you for doing that. Um, I know that I've had some people on and I've, and they've had similar situations where someone has said to them, you're not going to do this or you'll never do this. And they have done that thing. And I've asked them, have you, you know, if you ever saw that person, did you say anything? And they're like, well, no, cause it wouldn't change anything and you know, whatever. And I'm like, but to me, I would just feel like, a sense of relief. I, that exactly, that's what it was. So, but it, I had to go through really, really bad situations to get to that place to where I was able to tell her, do not ever set limits on anybody. And if you're putting somebody in a placement, you better damn well know that that's where that child needs to go. Right. This is everything that you've done to me. My dad happened to be there because we were visiting them. At, we the Grandkids were visiting. And my dad looked at me. He's like, that is not appropriate. I was like, do not tell me that it's not appropriate. That is 100% appropriate. And I will say it again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for, you know, being the bigger person and not causing a conflict. But how will they ever learn exactly that their words, even if it's a flippant, comment and they don't even really say it again just that one time of saying it is too much our words affect how how we think and how we view ourselves and if that's what you're telling a child you should not be in that field right which is what I told her too (laughs) (laughs) so now I'm curious I want to know what her reaction was to all of that she just looked at me Um, And I let her know, I let her know, you know, I said, I graduated from one of the top 30 universities in the world. I went to UC San Diego. Um, I, and I listed everything that I did. I told her, I said, I've helped other families. I'm an advocate. I am an ABA therapist. 
I'm a program manager. And I said, I work with kids that you have deemed not eligible to live a quality, meaningful life. Do you think that I'm working at McDonald's? Do you see me working at McDonald's? Because that's, that's what, that was my goal for in her eyes. And she just looked at me speechless and she's like, I didn't know. And I go, exactly. You didn't know. And you need to stop teaching if that's how you feel. Right. Right. Because none of us know what you tomorrow know. holds, positive ways or negative ways. So 2020 I, taught us not to, <laughs> that we can't predict anything. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's even, I think, worse. Right. <laughs> but, but you can't predict how a kid, I mean, these kids right now, they're navigating through a world of crazy. Right. But who are we to tell them that they can't graduate or do other things? Right. Exactly. And to me, a teacher is a, a person because I, I am a teacher. We are supposed to be building our students up and supporting our students and being their cheerleaders and their positives in their lives. Not that we're the only ones, but I feel like that is part of our job. And to, uh, I just, I don't even really have words. It's just baffling to me. So there was one teacher, one out of all of the teachers that I've ever had that helped me understand and stand up for everything and really got me to where I needed to be. But no, I fully agree with you. Teachers need to be role models and be that that light in, in a kiddo's eyes because sometimes that's all we have. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, thankfully, I feel like those are, are fewer than they are majority, but there are those those situations and we do need to be that person when that student comes to our room and needs that. Um, and our guest says, live in the moment and prepare for the future. And that's so true because yes. like, I, like we said, none of us know what tomorrow yeah. holds, you know, whether that's us growing and, and blossoming into one kind of caterpillar, I mean, into one kind of butterfly or, or, or something negative happening in us ending up in a different situation than, than what we thought was going to happen positive in our future. So, um, so who was that one teacher? That was my psychology teacher and his name is Mr. Bushner. Um, he pushed me. So I sat in his class and he came to me and he said, I want to show you something. He's like, I don't think that you really have sat down and looked at what your IEP says. So he walked it. He walked me through what, and what my IEP said. And he said, this is, it says you're on a non-degree path. This is what they think your future is going to hold. And he goes, but you're not that. He's like, what, what they say on paper is not true. And so he was the person that I kept on asking, why, how do I fix this? What can we do? So he worked with me and he started going to my meetings and he helped me advocate and learn what I needed to do when I was a freshman in high school. So he helped me mainstream into regular ed classes. He got me tutors. He helped me understand what I needed to understand to get my high school diploma. But it took a lot of work because I had to catch up with everything that I had missed from right. elementary on. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I imagine that was a lot of your weekends, a lot of your evenings, possibly even time in the summer. I, I did have to go to summer school. Um, 
And I worked, I worked so hard just to graduate with an actual degree. Then he said, you're ready to go to college. And I was like, well, people are telling me I can't. He's, and he looked at me. He's like, you can. Do you know what you just did? And so he told me, he goes, just try it. He goes, what, what happens if you fail? You fail. Like, it's not a big deal. So we set up my uh, junior college. I went to junior college. He set up my schedule. Um, and he goes, take a psych class. He's like, because you seem to like it. And he was correct. <laughs> um, and I passed with all A's without, without needing extra help. And so I went on and I took more and more psychology classes and I um, graduated with a AA and I transferred to UCSD. And I graduated UCSD with honors. So, and the, that's what Yay. I called <laughs> So, and I went back on, I went back and I had my master's degree in human behavior and I just took Catherine's mentorship course. So clearly I was, I have the ability to learn. I just needed to figure out who would believe in me and what tools I needed to get there. Right. So something I wanted to pull out of what we have said so far, and it is going to be sort of a silver lining, or I don't even know if it's a silver lining, but um, that you were on the non-diploma track and you were able to change that. Yes. So, so the encouragement that I want to give to people is if your child is on a non-degree or non-diploma track and you find that out, or if you're a student listening and this is happening to you. You will have to work hard. Um, as Sheree said, she's, she had to do summer school and she had to put in a lot of extra time, but her life is vastly different because she put in that time and that effort. Um, so just because you're, you're possibly on that track right now doesn't mean you have to stay there. You it's not going to hold you back. Yeah. You can, if you have the determination, you can do it. Yeah. Most of the kiddos that I've run into that are like the in-between paths are thankful for people to push them um, because the limitations that are put, that were put on me, it's not something that I would want for anybody else. And, you know, if you're in that path and you need words of advice, I will walk that path with you. I will show you what you need to do. Any of our master coaches will help you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we were both just on a, a call with Catherine or a training with Catherine just before. And um, I, I, I'd said in that, and I'll say it here, that that was probably one of the best decisions that I've ever made is going through the master IEP coach mentorship and having all of the master IEP coaches across the country now in the mentor, in the network and being able to tap in and say, hey, this is what's happening. Does anybody have suggestions or has anyone, you know, had this scenario happen? It's that's how you and I met. I mean, you and I do not know each other. This is the first time that we are seeing each other face to face. And it, it, there, there's just this nice bond and this, you know, mutual respect and admiration for what each other does, because we don't all focus on the same area. Yes. Um, so getting to that, um, but before I do, is there anything else you want to say about your, your elementary, your high school, or your college days? Um, 
in there, I had scoliosis. So oh, that's right. that made me different also. So I had to wear a brace. Then I went in for surgery um, when I was 21 and I had to relearn how to walk. It was a t- nearly 10 hour surgery. So I had to go through PT. I couldn't drive for six months. There was a lot of things that I had to relearn because of my body. I have two titanium rods in my back and oh my gosh. Literally, I've just had to reteach my body how to do things, like even how to bend to pick up things. So it's things that I take for granted. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't think I could have kids, but clearly I proved that wrong. <laughs> not just once, not just twice, but three times. <laughs> well, they, they, we made sure it was safe. But yes. So that was my thing is, if you tell me I'm not going to be able to do something, I will do it and I'll do it better. <laughs> Yeah, we probably have that in common because I'm sure my family would say the same thing about me. And and yeah, if someone sincerely believes that I will not be able to do something or I should not do certain thing, yes. yeah, I'm going to do it. That's me 100%. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about the scoliosis. And I didn't, I, I mean, you did tell me that in our, our initial conversation the other day, but I didn't know you had to relearn to walk and to do all of those types of things. Um so in again, my, yeah, go ahead. M- more limits that you're busting through in your lifetime. It's, it's been difficult, but everything that I've gone through has made me realize that I'm here as a support and I want my story out there because anybody that's experiencing half or all or some parts of what happened to me, the light is there and you can use that to support and help other people. Right. And, you know, on this show, I've had people that are presidents of companies or, you know, they're, they're well known in their community. But one of the reasons, probably the main reason for doing this is that it's the average person that lives next door that I want people to stop setting those limits and stop having that mindset of, oh, they're not going to be able to do something. Now, you know, I don't mean that to say that anybody can be anything and do everything. But to quantifiably say to somebody, you will never X, Y, or Z. That is not appropriate, in my opinion. Um, Yeah, there are words of hurt and people like us will flip them and say, well, yes, I can. So those are words of encouragement to us. Right. It can cause great psychological damage to anybody. Um, yeah. And I've been in, I've been seen, I saw a therapist for years because I was a psychology major. So I was working out all my issues. Right. And just everything. I have been for a couple of years because it got to me and I was a depressed teenager because I knew that I could do other things. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's often an area that is looked over is the mental health side of things. Yes. Um, and, and anytime I would get a new student when I was teaching, I would tell the, the parent, you know, I'm not just working on their academics. I am working on the whole child because most of the students, by the time they had gotten to the point where they knew that something was up, you know, they had had multiple years of 
red marks all over their papers and teachers telling them, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that, you shouldn't do this. And having, you know, putting so much effort in to their studies only to get things back all marked up, you know, or to, to, and, and to be told you didn't try on this. That's why you got all these questions wrong. And I mean, that goes with how do we know if that child didn't try? And we, when I work with kids like that too, we always start with something that they can do and build up because it's the momentum. It's the psychological moment, momentum that they need. My son, very similar. Um, I post a lot about him and he's okay with me sharing his stuff. So um, he's very, he's a very much of a perfectionist. And yesterday was a terrible day for him because his teacher came back and said, your work was messy. And I can't tell you how much he tried and how long it took him to finish his work. And to say that to a kid that it's on a technical app, he doesn't know he's in second grade. He's not used to this technology. How are you going to say that to him? Yeah. And I, I think oftentimes that teachers really don't mean harm, right. but they're not thinking about how their words might come across and not just teachers. I mean, there's, you know, the, the parents, the siblings, the, the aunts and uncles and cousins and whoever, you know, whatever. Um, doctors, I've heard so many times that doctors have told kids, well, you'll never do this and you can't do that. Um, and it's, we really do have to think about reframing yes. how we say things um, because effort is so vastly important and we we never talk about that in schools it's just oh well you got you got this grade or you didn't get this grade and so you must have put in a lot of effort if you've gotten an a and you must have only put in a minimal effort if you got something like a c or lower it's it, you're 100 correct it's not talked enough about and those kids i worry about and i'm really worried about our kids right now because we have a lot of kids dropping out we're we have a lot of kids that aren't at grade level we have standardized testing that doesn't even make sense right now right and i mean my daughter just had one and she came back crying because her grade wasn't as what it should have been and the psychological damage that we're doing to our kids it's not going to be seen for years to come but it's there yeah yeah it absolutely is. And, and, and I totally believe that we have to hold our teachers and our school districts accountable. Um, and there, we do have to have ways to measure how a student is doing. Yes. Um, I'm just not sure the way that we're doing it now is the best way, but I don't really have another solution to say, oh, we'll just do this and that'll be fine. So what I've been working with school districts on is just using their diagnostic test because they're testing on themselves, right? So the diagnostic is based upon age level, but it's also based upon where they are. So we've been doing a lot of the iReady diagnostics, mm -hmm. um, which is a new program that many schools are using now. Mm -hmm. So that's, I mean, that's some of the things that I have been fighting for. I just got in, I sent a lovely email to our district about standardized testing and how it's crazy for them to even use now and they shouldn't, but this, 
we are causing so much pain to these kids. Yeah. And, and even, yeah, I mean, we have iReady in this area and I, I don't teach full-time anymore, but I sub. And even in the, some of the districts where I sub, they use it, but some people use it incorrectly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you know, it's like anything, you know, like Accelerated Reader started off as a great program to incentivize kids who loved to read. Yes. And in my area, it's become a punishment program almost because now they give points to kids, you know, based on their test scores in this program. And then if they don't hit a certain number of points every quarter or every semester, then they have to miss out on the fun things like the parties and the recesses and whatnot. So that, and then they are forced to get the points at that point. I mean, and that's not based upon it. We had talked about behavior, you and I, Mm -hmm. and that's, I mean, that's rewarding not reading and I just feel like this whole system that we're in that we were in and that we are in now is broken and we have to sit there and we have to really think about what's more important is standardized testing more important or is a child's growth upon themselves more worth it or are we normalizing (laughs) what what are we looking at right now is right what are our, what are our data points? Yeah. <laughs> like we're lost at sea with yeah. all of this. Yeah, it is. And it is a crazy time to be in education. Um, it's a, I mean, whether you are on the teaching side of the educator role or if you're, you know, in the education world as a student. Um, it, or the parent. Or the parent. Yeah. Because they are most definitely dually involved right now. Um, and and a lot of kids are becoming their own teachers in, in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, even my daughter at the college level, when this happened last year, um, she had to come home and do the rest of her semester online. Now this year, her college has, has been able to keep them on campus and um, have some classes in person. And they've been able to kind of figure it out a little bit. But um, when she was home last spring, it's like, you know, she, she was basically teaching herself. It's like, why are we paying these exorbitant prices to the college? <laughs> right? I mean, I became, so I mean, I have an emergency teaching credential, but I had to become a teacher back in March because our school just stopped and right. they didn't offer extra teaching. They got packets of work and said, here, do it. Well, yeah. how are you going to do it if we don't know how to do it? <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, it's a so this is something that um, Fran said. She said individuals are just that unique to themselves. Yes. So yeah, in talking about the diagnostic data and gro- and how they're growing, we have to start measuring our kiddos, our IP kiddos, our five hundred four plan kiddos based upon themselves rather than society. And I will tell you, I never got a single retest after my first test when I was. Yeah. Yeah. Mind boggling. I know. They never, <laughs> That's they not never even legal. <laughs> I was never retested. <laughs> wow. Yes. So oh my goodness. it's something these IEPs and kiddos with 504 plans have my heart because I was one. And we, I like that we are building a nest, a cocoon to hold them and help them because I think without us, 
I, I don't know what the world of special education would look like. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So you, you've graduated college and you um, have your master's degree. And so you became an ABA therapist. So explain what that is and what the goal of ABA therapy is overall. And then we'll get into some more finer points. Okay. So ABA is applied behavioral analysis and it really just it was started for kids with autism, but it's behavioral principles. So there's lots of negative talk about ABA, um, but the long run of it is it's really just, it's behavior modification and that's what it does. Um, I was trained in ABA, but there's many different types of ABA. There's verbal behavior, there's, um, pivotal training, there's DTT, there's, there's a lot that goes into ABA. What is D? I know what DTT is because I've done, I've been trained in it. Training. Okay. <laughs> I think I got that. Yes. Yep. That's, um, a, that's what yeah. I was always told it stood for anyway. Yes. So when you're sitting at the table and you're going through cards and multiple repetitions, um, I would say that's very old school thinking. Um, and it's not something that I was, I was trained in it, but it's not something that I feel is helpful unless if it's an academic skill, but that's my two cents. So, <laughs> well, Hey, this is about you. So you get to share your two cents. <laughs> People will fight all the time with that. Yeah. Well, but unfortunately I think in today's world, people are going to fight about anything. So yes, yes, I agree <laughs> with you. But I, mean, I was trained with the assumption of behavior is looking. So I'm gonna I'm gonna back it up a little bit. So I worked with kids with autism. So they had a difficulty in communication, right? So I was trained in a program called verbal behavior. So you looked at their words, and the main point of verbal behavior is to increase communication. Um, so that's asking for items. I want water. I need a diaper change. I da, da 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 Because kids, younger kids will ask for things about 350 times a day. Right. True. Um, so that principle is to increase the amount of demands that that kiddo wants. Then you have um, labeling and conversations. What we're doing right now, you have social skills in there. You have... Uh, following directions, listener responding, um, basically a lot, basically an entire school year's worth of things in this program. Everything that we work on with school, um, I've raised my kiddos on it. Mm -hmm. um, my husband, I ABA him too sometimes. <laughs> don't, don't tell that to my husband because I did the same thing. <laughs> I mean, the dishes go in the dishwasher. It's not that hard. <laughs> so true. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually, he had to teach me that. <laughs> oh, well, mine is the dishwasher. <laughs> all of them. They're all being aviated right now with the amount of dishes that we have floating around in the house. Yeah, I just saw a commercial, or I don't know if it was a commercial, but it was a basically that. It was like seminar in my home, and it was mom, and she was showing them like, 
the shoes go here and there was a dad and two kids and like oh wow and then it was you know the dishes go here and <laughs> I'm sorry Michael <laughs> so Michael says hey stop picking on us men <laughs> it's not men I said, I said I had the dishwasher thing I had to learn that too <laughs> mine's the laundry I have a pile of laundry it's not just men it's women too right and so, so so my I'm going to pull a point out of here is that we all have unpreferred what how do we say it in non-preferred non tasks so yes. don't base my skill level on a non-preferred task because yeah I definitely I will wash the laundry I will dry the laundry but sometimes it sits for a couple of days before it gets folded and put away completely so don't base my skill of being able to fold things on the fact that my laundry is still sitting there two days after it's been washed and dried. Yes. Do, you know, find something that I prefer to do and then assess my skill. So, sorry, that's an ABA thing. Um, that I mean, we do that, but don't make assumptions. Don't limit our capability of anything by our non-preferred tasks, which we do all the time to yes. kids. Yes. Absolutely. And that is something that I, I knew as a teacher to do with my own students, but I didn't really have the idea of the difference between preferred and non-preferred tasks until taking Catherine's mentorship and yeah. having her point that out, you know, that don't assess kids when, you know, cause we hear that and I did, I heard that so often from teachers of, well, they can do it when they want to. Well, I can fold laundry too when I want to, but I need extra motivation when I don't want to. Well, back to the motivation. So with IEPs, when I write IEPs, I write motivated what they're motivated for. So we will write a reward system on a behavioral plan because it's, I feel like, again, this is something that nobody remembers to put in you work to get paid. We all work to get paid. We Amen. like, um, what do our kids like? Well, they, they don't have the intrinsic value of grades. So right. you have to find something that motivates them. I'm potty training my little one right now. She only gets M&Ms when she goes to the bathroom. She hasn't gotten M&Ms because she hasn't gone to the bathroom. <laughs> but it's, it's the motivation. I don't think that M&Ms are working anymore because they're not motivating her to go. So right. I'm looking for something else. She likes lipstick. I told her she could have lipstick every time she goes in. But that's it, Shri. That's so important that we have to realize that if we're trying to change behaviors, we have to find a motivation that works. Yes. And I have been in districts where they have wanted to use the same discipline for every student. And then, I mean, I had kids who were getting lunch detentions or after-school detentions constantly. And yet the teacher didn't understand, well, why isn't the behavior changing? Well, I'm not really sure which one of the learners is having a problem catching on at this point. Is it the student or is it the teacher? Because if you're doing the same thing and the results are not changing, you need to change something. I, we, oh, I see this all the time, too. <laughs> I mean, this is why it's called an individualized plan. Right. We don't just cut and paste. 
Right. I will admit it. When I was a program manager for kids with autism, I cut and pasted, but I made that program and I made the rewards and I made that system individualized to that child. So you can have generalized goals per se, mm-hmm. but you have to individualize it to get the end result. Right. Um, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I see this in districts. We're both like, right now. (laughs) It drives me insane because we forget that these are kids. They're not going to want to do things for free. Right. Right. And we're not saying, so I don't want anybody who maybe just joined. um, I know, and, and this, my mom wouldn't count in this regard because she doesn't have kids that she's doing this with anymore, but she did join late and she apologized for that. But, um, we're not saying you have to reward every single thing every single time. No. There is a strategy to, to ABA specifically. And I don't think I've ever mentioned this in this program, but I have developed my own behavior program and it uses components of ABA. It uses components of crisis prevention intervention and nonviolent crisis um, intervention. And there are great things that I have used from multiple strategies that I was taught and ABA is one of them. Um, but yeah, the, the, the motivation is definitely such a key factor. Um, whether you want a positive change or you're trying to get rid of a non-preferred behavior. So Fran says, you know what assume means. So yes, we do. <laughs> if you don't know, you'll have to look it up. I'm not explaining it on this show. <laughs> and then she says, reassess if you're not getting anywhere, probably missed something crucial. And that is so true. And we often, again, we often forget to do that. You know, we just get so busy and so routine in what we're doing yeah. that we don't often have that ability to stop and think outside the box. And that's what we come in as master IEP coaches and help teams look outside the box. And that's, and I think that you and I do a really great job with that because we look at it from a behavioral point of view. My other point with that too, is we have to look at the why. So this kind of works in regards of behavior and why is this kiddo not meeting this goal? What, where is the why? Why is this happening? I was answering um, an autism society question and a mom on there said, you know, my child is having such crazy behaviors and a bunch of people were like, oh, do this, give them a timeout or ignore it. And I go, why, why is this child having this behavior? Are they mm-hmm. frustrated? Are they, what, what is happening? Tell me what's happening before so we can address it. Right. Like take right. data. Right. But we have tons of kids that have these stagnant goals because we're not reassessing. We're not looking at it. We're not using motivation to to get that goal. Um, it's it's like an ever ending loop. Like we have to stop, and we have to make reminders to ourselves too. I right. think. Yeah, I Absolutely. do benchmarks in our IEPs. Like, so if they're not progressing after a point, go reassess it because it's not working. Right. Exactly. Too much time. Exactly. Um, and. <laughs> I have, I've done the same thing that you've just said is, you know, that you're, you're reading this thread after somebody has given an, a scenario and I'll ask a simple question, like, you know, why, or I'll say, well, have you asked the child? And they're like, what? 
why would I ask the kid? Because <laughs> maybe they know why they, you know, why are they breaking a window? Why do they constantly break windows? Well, I mean, without asking, I'm assuming they're trying to escape something. I, I will go, I mean, I use my son again as an example. So virtual learning, I will tell you, has been words that I cannot use on this show. <laughs> Thank <It> is, you. <laughs> I don't want the FCC coming down on me. <laughs> it's been very difficult for me. And he's having tantrums and he's having, like, he's engaging in behaviors that I've never seen before. I finally had to sit down and say, hey, what is happening, man? Because I forgot, I forgot to, I, you know, because it's right. routine. And I'm like, what is happening? He was I don't, the app is not working and it's frustrating me. Oh, well, cool. Let's fix that for you, buddy. Right. Stop breaking things and we can help you. Right. Exactly. And sometimes it does. It just takes that. Oh my gosh. You know, so, so anybody that's watching with us live or, or watching the replay, we're not saying that we do these things perfectly. We are listening to our own advice as we give it um, because we're human just like you and we're going to forget. We're going to get in the moment and forget to take that breath and that stop and go, oh, okay. You know, we lose our temper. I, oh, I shouldn't say we, cause I've not been in Sheree, but I lose I, my temper. <laughs> do. Okay. So we lose our temper. Sometimes we lose our cool. We, you know, we, we go through everything, all the same emotions that, that you go through. Um, we're just hopefully giving you some ideas when you can take a second to think. And Fran, I love this. Don't like boxes, prefer bean bags. Um, we're going to, that might be Fran is I do another stream on Fridays called Friday with Fran. And this is the Fran that I do that with. So Fran, we may, that might be our topic this Friday because I, I really like, and I, I have some ideas in my head, but I don't know if that's the same ideas that you have. So she also that's said, what if you reassess and reassess and still can't find the key component? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that one to you. So then I would say, well, are you talking about a goal or are you talking about a behavior? Um, I'm going to guess behavior, but I'm going to let Fran answer that for certain. Just because I... Two different answers. This but is true. Behavior, I will tell you, behavior has a definite changing point if you target the correct behavior. Yeah, she so says behavior. So if you're looking at a behavior... Okay. So if you're looking at a behavior, you have to have multiple data points. So if you're in a school, you ask for a functional behavior assessment done by a BCBA, and it has to be a BCBA. It cannot be just a regular school psych. It has to be a BCBA because they're going to be invoking behaviors in a kiddo, and it has to be done ethically. So... Don't be going to the school board if you guys don't have a BCBA. Every school should have a BCBA, but they don't. So they're going to have to contract one. BCBA has to do a functional behavior assessment. And at that point, they'll run a bunch of tests and they'll try to pinpoint the function. Sometimes, a lot of times in the classroom, there's two functions. It's usually attention or escape. Um, attention is always either the main one or an underlining one and attention is really difficult to kind of take away so you work mm -hmm. with the students and you work with the teacher um we have a lot of attention seeker kiddos that i work with and one just loves to blurt things out in class so we've taught 
his teacher not to respond. So he doesn't get a response and then he'll provoke his classmates and the, the people that sit around him. We've taught them not to answer him if he's not behaving appropriately. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, you have to have the data um, or you need to figure out the motivation too. So uh, you might not have a correct replacement behavior. Does that make sense? Well, it does to me. So a replacement behavior for anyone who doesn't understand. So we often do this, and this is a, a point that I make frequently on my own page, is you can't just tell kids don't do something because yes. then all you've done is told them what not to do, but you haven't given them what you want them to do. So the what you want them to do is the replacement behavior. Yes. But if you have a behavior that's a self-stimulatory behavior, which I don't know if Fran's getting to that, um, those are really difficult to replace at school. Um, you have to have something that forms the same sensation for those kiddos. If I notice that a kid has to have STEM, I will incorporate a break in that time that we think it's happening and let them do their break and let allow them to STEM but come back to class. And we just call it a break. Um, but a good BCBA will be able to help you determine that. And that's a whole different ball, gr- ball game. Yeah. Now, I'm going to have to disagree with you about it has to be a BCBA because I would do functional behavioral assessments as a special ed teacher. So, um, I know. <laughs> I, well, and I, and I, I, I do, I understand what you're saying is it really should be somebody other than, or at least I think this is what you're saying, other than the teacher directly involved with the student um, because they're going to have their sort of sway of what they assume is happening. Yeah. Um, and it helps to have somebody who has studied a lot about behaviors and like you, like we just talked about, you know, the, the underlying reason and the, the why behind it, what is it trying to communicate? That's something I say a lot is behaviors or communication. Um, so it, it's not, it's not in the law also. It, it's not. However, it is in the, <laughs> it is in the ethics code for BCBAs. So it's right. this, this is a gray area because right. I do believe that teachers would make great uh, assessments. However, they're too close to that child, first right. and foremost, which is what you were saying. And to do it properly, you do have to evoke behaviors. Mm-hmm. And that's technically not legal to do <laughs> because right. you're causing harm. But it wouldn't matter to you as a teacher because it's a different code of ethics. But the right. reason why I say bring in a BCBA, because if you're if you have a behavior plan and it's not changing and it's been like six months or more, then I say ask for a BCBA because a set of eyes that just focus on behaviors can really help that kid. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I agree with you that it it um there's a lot more to it than yes. just going in and watching. Um, oh, it's, it's complicated. Like a true functional behavior assessment. It's very complicated. I yeah. don't like doing them. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, Shree, this has been awesome. And I think you and I, I mean, like I told you the night when we talked, just for me to get a little bit of idea where to go with this conversation, that we could talk for hours. It's already been almost a full hour that since we started. So I want to make sure that if anybody would like to get in contact with you, they have some ways to do that. So what are some ways that people can follow you or, or reach out to you if they would like to? So you can find me on Facebook at Sri Hatherzinga. I might have to tag Kelly or Shelly on the thing because it's my last name is very long. Yeah. Did um, y'all notice I didn't say her last name? <laughs> my, I can say Dirksler, but her other name, I I would so butcher it. So <laughs> my full name is Sri Hatherzinga Gershler. Um, so you can type that in. I can tag you in a post so you can see it. Um, I have you. I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. I'm on Instagram as three uh, Gershler Ma- Master I- or IEPs and more. But and you can send Shelly a message and we can get to you. Um, but I really enjoy talking to you. We can talk behavior or anything for days. Right. Yeah. And behavior. I think that's such a big topic to cover. That um, yeah, it, it's definitely one that could be spoken about for hours and we'd still never cover all the bases. Um, so Fran says, thank you. Her, and I, her, uh, behavior that she was talking about was avoidance. So, um, I, that's a little bit different than what you were talking about as far as attention, but yeah. With, there's lots of things you can do for avoidance. Right. Yeah. And um, so on that note, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to thank everyone for joining us today. Thank you, L.A. Jansen. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Fran, for commenting and being with us. And anyone else who was here live that we didn't know about, I appreciate you. I appreciate those of you who are watching this in the replay. Um, If you'd like a free IEP checklist or virtual IEP checklist, you can go to my website, ShellyKino.com. And do you have some, do you have a website, Shri, or not? Um, I can't remember what you told me. Okay. (laughs) That's not a problem. I just didn't want to leave that off for you if that was an option for you. Um, If you need myself or Shri to help you, if you're in the IEP throws right now, um, we definitely are willing and wanting to help you make the world better for all one IEP at a time. Thanks, everybody. Thank Thank you for letting me share my story. Absolutely. Thank you for being here.